The Winchester home is quite possibly one of the most bizarre and curious mansions of the United States, built by the heiress of the Winchester repeating rifle fortune. The house is inspired by macabre, seductive folklore with doors that open into midair, stairways that lead nowhere, and a maze of rooms and hallways. All of this was designed by Sarah Winchester herself in hopes that she could suffice and confuse the spirits of those her husband's rifle killed. As she believed these spirits haunted her and were trying to harm her in fits of revenge since her husband had already passed away. As she believed these spirits haunted her and were trying to harm her in fits of revenge since her husband had already passed away. The Winchester house is considered a hot spot for paranormal and spirit encounters even to this day. Join us tonight if you dare as we explore the real-life labyrinth known as the Winchester Mystery House. From a child born into this world, we are taught what to believe. Close-minded, we become fearful to be deceived. Still, we desire to know what lies beyond that locked door. The art of the storyteller conjuring tales of legend and lore. History hidden, lost knowledge, things forgotten, and the unknown. These are the things that direct us and will set the tone. Welcome, friends, to another episode of Nightmares on the Lost Highway. San Jose, California, 525 South Winchester Boulevard. Once the personal home of Sarah Winchester, widow of firearms magnate William Winchester. Uh, The Winchester Mystery House. Uh, Mystery, of course, being given to it by Hmm. Houdini himself when he visited. You know, he said, he didn't say much about it. You know, Houdini spent his life trying to debunk the paranormal and unusual. And even he had to say about this house that there was definitely something strange about it. So Sarah Winchester was the wife of William Winchester, who was, and I, don't know, I guess, the founder, owner of Winchester Firearms. Uh, Winchester Repeating Firearms, I believe, is the proper name. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, they had kind of a rough start to their life. You know, they're, they would lose their infant daughter to marasmus, which I guess is a children's disease that causes the body to just waste away. Waste away. I mean, very... Ethiopian-looking skin and bones, horrible disease. Her her husband would pass a few years later of tuberculosis. We've talked about that in a previous episode, but another wasting disease that that causes the lungs to to kind of degrade, and and eventually you just die uh, from from suffocation, basically. Now, she inherited her husband's fortune, as well as 50% of the Winchester Repeating Arms Company. Now, this allowed her to live comfortably for the remainder of her days. Uh, Basically, she was living on the equivalent of $28,000 a day in modern modern money. So, I mean, she wasn't wasn't hurting for any means. Now, after the death of both her child and her husband, Sarah consulted with a medium in Boston, and this medium claimed to have channeled the spirit of her late husband and told her she needed to leave her home in New Haven and travel out west. And there, uh, she would have to continuously build a home for herself and the spirits of those killed by the Winchester rifle. So this leads Sarah to eventually settle in San Jose, California, where, uh, I believe you said 1884, mm-hmm. she purchases a small farmhouse and begins construction of what will eventually become the Winchester Mystery House in 1886. Going back to the psychic, there was there was a, some key things that the psychic told her that really kind of sets this story on course. 
there's kind of two separate beliefs. One that the ghosts tormented Sarah, which I, I think would have happened regardless. But the other thing the the psychic told her was the the reason of the size of this overall scheme of house was she needed to build rooms for each of the victims to have a place basically to you know, trying to make amends for the rifle that her husband created taking their lives. So that's part of the reason why this house was just so massive and was you, for rooms for all these thousands of people. You have to imagine that Sarah had some sort of, you know, psychological issue. Mental illness. Obviously, you know, she believed that she was going to be haunted by the spirits of anyone killed by a Winchester firearm. And again, that, that partially came from that medium telling her that. So in 1886, she begins to build her new home, uh, believing, you know, uh, and, and another thing was she believed the continuous sounds of construction would help keep the spirits at bay. So again, in the Santa Clara Valley in 1884, she purchases an unfinished farmhouse and begins construction almost immediately. Workers built day and night until the house rose up to as tall as seven stories. That's um, massive. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and, and at that time, especially, uh, some workers claim that Mrs. Winchester consulted with a medium daily trying to reach out to good spirits, quote unquote, to figure out how to construct the house to help appease the spirits that were plaguing Sarah, the, the bad spirits, I guess you would say. Now, it should also be said, Sarah herself, possibly with the help of those that's passed on, designed everything yes. herself personally she oversaw this she drew the blueprints well there were technically there were never any real blueprints or plans true sketches was, might be yeah, a better it was word sort of off the cuff because <laughs> they may change but yeah she directed all that herself and uh building continued in just a, a random chaotic fashion there are numerous oddities in the home like you said stairs and, and doors that go nowhere windows that look into other rooms stairs with oddly sized risers and, and some people even theorize that the strange construction of the house, the weird layout, the strangeness of the rooms and all that helps to lead to the feeling that the place was or potentially is haunted. So the house itself is very, very strange. To, to give you an idea, and, and I have a, a sort of a list here of, of the construction and, and what exists in the house. So bear with me. This is a, quite a list. But. There was a major earthquake in 1906, and carpenters were brought in to start repairing the damage. They eventually would have to remove three stories due to damage from the earthquake. So seven stories existed prior to the earthquake. Today, as the house is now, there's four stories. Now, the house was made mainly of redwood, which Mrs. Winchester preferred the wood, but she disliked the look of it. She liked it as a building material. She didn't like it to look at, I guess. So she demanded that faux grain and stain be applied to cover all of it. Almost all the wood in the house is covered in some fashion and is approximately 20,500 gallons of paint were required to paint all the wow. wooden surfaces. Now, you mentioned the earthquake of 1906. Keep in mind, obviously, that earthquake affected the entire city, the whole region. So contractors were in short demand. They were, everybody needed them, but she had the money. She doubled the original crew paid them more to make sure that they came and worked on her house, her project, even above and beyond the city, the town's yeah. <laughs> uh, information. She considered that earthquake was a sign from God himself. So I don't know. I, I don't want to get too philosophical here, but if you're consulting with mediums all the time and you obviously believe that you're living among the spirits and the ghosts of the dead, Obviously, though, she still had a, a sense of religion and, and respect, maybe is a good word, that she feared God. So she went back to the book, so to speak, 
felt that she learned from her mistakes, and I think that was from going up so much, and that's where the house started yeah. going out in the different wings. I just thought that was, among all this chaos, that there was that as well. Well, and, and things could have been worse. The house was actually built on what they call a floating foundation, and that particular style of foundation is intended to minimize the impact of earthquakes. It's not a solid brick-and-mortar affair, but it's made to shift and react. But yeah, I mean, a building of that height. Yeah, it's going to tumble I mean, down. They, they didn't lose the whole building, but they lost almost half of it. And and so to give you an idea, and again, I'm, I'm, I've got a list here, so Eric, you if you can add to any of these as I go, feel free. The house is 24,000 square feet, roughly 161 rooms. Of those rooms, 40 bedrooms, 13 bathrooms, six kitchens, two ballrooms, one finished, one not. In those rooms, you will find 47 fireplaces, 10,000 panes of glass, 2,000 doors, not all of which are, you know, can be walked through. Some just open on to walls. To a wall, yeah. One leads to an eight-foot drop into a kitchen sink. Another leads to a 15-foot drop into the bushes in the outside garden. <laughs> there are 52 skylights, 47 stairways and fireplaces, some stairways that lead straight into the ceiling. There's no nothing up above. Yep. 17 chimneys that they can see from inside, evidence of two more visible from the outside, two basement levels, three elevators, multiple secret passages, Mm -hmm. With one in particular cabinet that, when opened, actually connects to 30 different rooms. Uh, it was built at the time for $5 million, $1923, which would be the equivalent of about $71 million today. I'll jump in there. You had mentioned the secret passages. There were trap doors. There were spider web design stained glass windows. And the thought was here that that spider web would capture ghosts and spirits in the glass. You know, we've heard mirrors and stuff kind of have that effect. So this was part of her design. Uh, you had mentioned skylights. There's one skylight that is literally right in the middle of uh, the floor of a room with multiple stories above it. So the, obviously the skylight does not ever see sun. Yeah, there's multiple stained glass windows, some of which one was never installed and some, yeah, in the ceilings of rooms that have rooms above. So they will never, never receive go light, never, yeah. never be showed off the way they should be. To add kind of a more twist uh, by design, small doors led to often massive size ballrooms, but large doors often would lead to a small closet to confuse the ghosts and spirits. As you mentioned, some doors just open into flat walls or drop-offs. If that weren't all strange enough, the the proposed cursed number of 13 uh, is present in many areas. And let me just say 13 is my lucky number. I'll just <laughs> say that. But um, many of the windows have 13 panes of glass in their unique design. Uh, a lot of the ceilings in the big uh, ballrooms have 13 distinct alcoves or recessed uh, uh, ceiling areas. There's one bathroom that has 13 uniform windows. Uh, nearly every inch of the house is covered lavishly with Victorian adornments, uh, carved wood panels, fine imported wallpapers, tapestries, hand-painted murals, all of this. The house originally sat on 162 acres at one point. Uh, it has been reduced over the years and now sits on four and a half, which is the absolute minimum necessary to contain the house and the, the adjoining outbuildings. Since the original construction, and I found this sort of to be ironic, they've added a, a couple of rooms that were sort of they, like built on the property. One has, you know, uh, period appropriate furnishings to kind of show you what it would have been like with its original furnishings. But another actually has a sort of shooting range game 
<laughs> which I don't feel that Sarah Winchester would have been okay no, with. I, yeah, I don't think that fits so. at all. Now, you had mentioned some of the the interior. That was another point I thought was interesting with all this construction, you know, hammers and saws going 24 hours a day, seven days a week, multiple crews, day and night shift. She also had another fleet of, I'm not sure what to call them, workers, janitors, that cleaned the interior of the house because it had to be kept immaculate even under construction. I have lived in a house while we did construction in it. Sawdust. Yeah. I mean, it, it is horrible. But she she not only was worried about the, the design feature, but she wanted the house kept immaculate because she believed that would upset the spirits if the house was not well kept. Again, in the Victorian era at that time frame. So a lot of things were made specifically, you know, for Mrs. Winchester and the idea of the spirits. But like physically, even Mrs. Winchester suffered from pretty severe arthritis. And so there are a lot of the stairways, even after they were originally built, had to be replaced with shorter stairs. Uh, I believe at one point in time, they said she could barely raise her foot, you know, five, six inches off the floor. She was so, so ridden with arthritis. And a lot of pictures you see, she was like in a, it almost looks like a wicker wheelchair, you know, type setting. Yeah. So, so a lot of the original stairways were eventually replaced. Now there was only one working toilet in the Winchester home, strangely enough. The other restrooms were decoys to confuse the spirits. Uh, she you, oh, Okay, I got to stop here. You, spirits going down the hallway. It's like, I, I got to go take a, you know, <laughs> got to do, do my business. You walk into this room and it's like, oh, foiled again. It's a fake toilet. Um, <laughs> I mean, my understanding of ghosts. I don't, I don't who knows. I'm not sure how that would come out. Now, uh, <laughs> I know Mrs. Winchester would sleep in, in different rooms each night. To confuse the spirits again. Mm-hmm. She didn't want them to, to, to get, you know, find her in her sleep, I guess. Uh, she also routinely used the secret passages to avoid or confuse the spirits. She was all about just not interacting with these spirits and, and trying to keep them appeased by adding to this house. And, and to add to that, um, you know, we talked about this in the um, uh, Chicago World's Fair issue or episode that we did with the well, secret H. H. passages, H.H. Holmes. When she had all of these construction crews working 24 hours a day, seven days a week, day shift, night shift, she did not allow them to talk. So (laughs) neither crew knew what they were walking into. And that by that way, by that design, only she knew the secret passages passages and where they actually led to. Not even the the people building the construction because they never saw that full (laughs) blueprint that, you know, like, like we talked about. Now... Some of the home's features were considered rare and extravagant for the time. Uh, steam and forced air heating, modern indoor toilets and plumbing, or I should say maybe toilet, uh, push-button gas lights, uh, Sarah's personal hot shower, which was the only hot shower in the building uh, from indoor plumbing. Uh, we talked about elevators. There were three. One was electric and one was powered by a rare hydraulic elevator piston, whereas most were vertical. This one was horizontal. Hmm. Or at an angle, I believe. Uh, and obviously, vertical, going up and down. This one was to run at an, at an angle. So it wasn't going, again, conf- let's confuse That's those confused. spheres. The elevators go up and down, so let's make this one go sideways. Now, see, I'm envisioning the, the movie The Gremlins with the old lady in the stairway. <laughs> the stairs. And, yeah, the, the chair that kind of winds up around. Uh, you touched on the stained glass windows, and I mentioned it as well. Like I said, some were installed where they would get no light, so you couldn't, couldn't appreciate their true beauty. Uh, the, the giant spiderweb-inspired window... Uh, with its web design and repetitive number 13s, was never installed and was actually left in storage. Uh, left in the room that they called the $25,000 storage room because <laughs> the contents of the room, when when the house was when it was appraised after her death, 
the contents were appraised at $25,000, roughly 405000 in modern modern dollars. Wow. Now, you had mentioned a lot of the features of the house. Uh, you had mentioned a lot of the lights were gas. I had, I had read where she had started converting more and more to electricity. She seemed to be a very free thinker, uh, very in tune with new technology. One of the things I thought was interesting was all the walls were insulated. And that was quite uncommon for, for the time and, and, and day. But not only the exterior walls, but the interior walls. And, and you know, again, I kind of go back to H.H. H. Holmes almost sound deadening, possibly. <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure. But there was the lavish designs. And, and interestingly enough, they were multinational uh, accents. There were Native American Indian uh, features, Norse, Greek, Japanese, Italian. Again, I think she was trying, in her mind at least, she was communicating with the dead and trying to make this house um, a hotel, an inn, if you will, for all the people that was killed. And again, that just goes to show you that the Winchester rifle killed you know, all of these nationalities. And, and in her mind, at least, those people were speaking to her and it wasn't just a typical Victorian Queen Anne style house. You had all of this, just a hodgepodge melting pot of, of things poured in. So Sarah Winchester passed in September of 1922. She left all of her belongings to her niece and personal secretary. Uh, the niece kind of went through and took what she wanted and the rest was sold at private auction. Now, allegedly it took six trucks working eight hours a day for six weeks to remove all the furniture from the house. Wow. Cause at that point in time, all the rooms were furnished. Oh yeah. So, Yep. She did not refer to the mansion at all in her will. Uh, appraisers at the time considered the house to be worthless due to damage from the earthquake, the unfinished design, and the impractical nature of its construction. So it would later sell at auction for $135,000, and they would lease the property for 10 years to John and Mamie Brown, uh, who would eventually buy the house. In February 1923, just five months after Sarah had passed, the house was open to the public, with Mamie Brown serving as the first tour guide. The home is currently owned by Winchester Investments LLC, which is a company that represents the descendants of John and Mamie, and and so their family is obviously still in control of the property. Now, regardless of what you might believe is the the origin story of the Winchester House of Mystery, it's it is declared a historic monument today. It's you know privately owned, as Bill said, it's open for tours, but that does not mean that it's perfectly safe. Quite the contrary, there are still roped off areas and areas where people are not allowed at all due to booby traps and some of these insane design features that could obviously uh, do harm. Well, yeah, you'd hate to step through a door and drop down into drop the garden. down like two flights, yeah. Um, you know, some of these included the multiple-story straight drop-offs we were talking about uh, when you open up a particular door. Some even are narrow bridgeways or walkways suspended over kind of a treacherous rooms down below. Uh, so all of that is, is still going on. Now, the cost of the endeavor we had talked about, you know, Sarah had spent approximately it's relative that they think about five million of her approximate twenty million inheritance on renovations over this almost forty year period. Uh, that five million would equate to approximately seventy million dollars in today's standards. Uh, she left, of course, a great deal of the work unfinished with piles of, of sketches and drawings and that she had wanted to do for future advancement, but and, that and, never came. And let's stress that she herself was not an architect, was not you know, any like a contractor or anything. Construction was not her forte. So these things were being built to her design and she's maybe I mean, not safely. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there are probably parts of it that aren't safe. And regardless, the mystery and reputation of the home continued to grow and spread over the decades after her death. 
Uh, jump forward several years to the 1990s, uh, popular skeptic uh, Christopher Chekom stayed at the home uh, himself there for about a month. Uh, he stated that he did not really experience anything. Uh, Bill had mentioned uh, Harry Houdini, of course, on one of his tours to uh, debunk any of the paranormal. Um, he stated that it was kind of inconclusive. He, he couldn't say anything was there, but it wasn't there as well. Yeah. I mean, I think he's the one that actually gave it the moniker mystery. He yes. said it was a mystery. Yes. That it, it, he, he, yeah, again, he famous for debunking, you know, claims of the supernatural and paranormal. And even he was, he, he didn't commit one way or the other with the Winchester house. And the believers jumped on that because there was other times when Harry Houdini did go to places and he said, there's absolutely nothing here. So the believers were like, okay, well, he didn't say there absolutely wasn't anything. He just kind of left it open. Well, and, so. and some visitors do claim to feel the presence of, of spirits there. And again, did okay, maybe Sarah's still there for all we know. I mean, well, she did build the house to be a- That a, is actually a, one of the ghosts that are supposedly still saw. We jump forward a little bit more to present day, and, and we've talked about Zach Baggins in our Demon, Demon house, house episode. Uh, he actually had stayed there overnight, but again, kind of left uh, not positive, not negative, just kind of left it open. Well, and like I said earlier, the, the very construction of the house, some people believe that mentally- you know, the, these abnormalities, the strangeness of it all. You know, you walk into a home, you expect to see stairs that go to another floor, doors that open into rooms, and just the very nature of the house itself maybe impresses upon the mind that, yeah, there's something going on here when, when maybe there isn't. Well, it's funny you should say that because there's, you know, the people who believe that it's haunted, and then there's another group that believe that it's just a psychic hotspot, if you will, like mediums and stuff feel that it's almost like a, a gateway, a portal, something else that's going on there. Not necessarily the whole ghost apparition, you know, paranormal investigation. However, I don't think we, we'd do this episode fitting if we don't talk about some of the ghostly encounter tales. Uh, now, I, I personally, the, the research I did, which seems like your research took you in a different direction. I found a lot of places where like even quote unquote professional paranormal investigators walked out disappointed. Yes. So you must have found a little more along those lines than I was able to. Cause I, I, I definitely wanted to say, okay, well, if she built this house for ghosts, there better be ghosts in the house. And, right. And I couldn't find any, anything to suggest that. Well, I found, I found some references, so I'll, I'll share those at this time. Uh, during the almost, almost 40 years of construction of the Winchester house, you know, many of the uh, construction crew members, uh, would walk out several occasions, literally they would run out. They reported strange occurrences, whispers being touched, tugged or pulled, cold spots and full apparitions. One gentleman reported that uh, his foreman had sent him down, you know, down this hallway and into a, a back area. And then he heard another man's voice, not his foreman, but another man's voice telling him that the foreman had changed his mind and wanted him to go to another room. And upon, you know, kind of grumbling, I just got set up in here, you know, got his tools all, he gathered his tools. And this gentleman, he said, was standing in the doorway with his arms crossed, like impatiently, you know, like, come on, the foreman said, move, you need to move. And said he got to the point and he's like, well, to the point, you're going to have to move out of the doorway before I can go there. And he just vanished right in front of his eyes. Uh, so we've had that kind of stuff. Another construction crew tale was uh, a group of the night shift construction workers reported seeing a ghost-like apparition of an old woman holding a single candle that seemed to observe their work from a distance. 
all night long. Yeah, could that have been Sarah? Well, that was exactly what the foreman thought, uh, but wasn't real sure why she wasn't approaching and at least talking with him. Uh, so the next day, the foreman approached Sarah and said, you know, was there an issue last night? Was there something you needed to say? And she seemed confused. And so, well, there was a lady with a candle, an old woman that just kind of kept watching us. And, and she s- said, there's no old woman here, at least not living. Huh. Uh, another ghost story is uh, one that they call Clyde. Now, he's a typical Western dressed man. Imagine, if you will, the large brimmed cowboy hat, a lasso, and big bushy cowboy mustache. This ghostly conjuring is said to uh, help with the work around the house during the construction time. He was often seen pushing wheelbarrows around, and he stopped and would visit, kind of eavesdropping in when when groups might be like telling a joke at a break, and he would laugh. They'd turn and, and look at him, and he would push the wheelbarrow away. Um, he's still actually been seen even in present day. A lot of people consider him that he is a, a lawn or groundskeeper. Several of the tour people will, uh, you know, report that, that, oh, that's the most friendly, nicest gentleman, you know, and all this. And they're like, we, we don't have anybody in the lawn crew working, <laughs> working today. It's kind of believed that he might've been a, a farm hand or maybe even a construction crew member who died early on, on the property. But uh, regardless, Clyde is still very popular, and they said that uh, you know, he's very friendly, never, never anything negative whatsoever. Said that there are a lot of reports of just strange spirits, and these can be Native American, they can be uh, cowboys, just all walks of life, that seem dazed and confused. Uh, they would meet them outside, they would walk through a wall, possibly where a door had been, or they would be seen uh, in a hallway, they would kind of try to pursue them and they would just fade into a wall or a bookcase, uh, like they were lost and confused with why they were here. Some psychics are stating that those are the ones that Sarah managed to capture inside of her ghostly trap of a house. And now that they're, they're just really confused and don't know what they're supposed to do. So there's a few ghostly encounters, but to your point, uh, it wasn't like with a house this old, there wasn't like a huge list. You know, it, it was a little it really, depressing. It really sounds like something out of Ghostbusters almost, that it was built to attract spirits. What was it? The, the Evo Shandor, or whatever his name was, who was building the building in New York City oh, that was supposed to channel spiritual yes, energy. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, it's almost like a Ghostbustery kind of thing. Uh, there, there was another story of... Uh, not a lot's known about it, but a particular priest that continually kind of shows up from time to time. And, and like I said, you you found more than I did because I, spe- I mean, specifically was like digging into Winchester house hauntings and things like that. Like I wanted to, I said, surely there's got to be ghosts here, but I, I couldn't find anything. Like I said, a lot of the things I found said that, that you know, real paranormal investigators went in there and left empty handed. Yeah. Like you said, Zach Baggins, you know, and, and saying, you know, maybe, maybe not, or or even Houdini, which Houdini is probably, let's say the most glaring endorsement. Right. With him saying, uh, you know, it's it's kind of a mystery. Right. I mean, he didn't outright say, no, there's nothing going on. And this was a guy who dedicated his life to proving the fakers fake. That was his thing. Well, and again, it depends on what side of the story or the origin you want to believe. Was it, was it just, Sarah trying to escape from being tormented by the souls or was it the the story that the uh, psychic told her that she had to build all these rooms 
Because let's face it, if if she was supposed to build a room for everybody that the Winchester rifle killed, that would have been thousands. And I believe you said there was 146 or something bedrooms completed. You know, there was a lot of work left undone, you know, if that was the case. And still, maybe the more believable aspect is she was just kind of a mentally ill woman that was very confused and had a lot of money. I was going to say, I mean, you have the tragedy of losing their child and then just a few short years later losing her husband. That's that's guaranteed to take a toll. So, yeah, you know, and, and, and I, I mean, if you if you want to believe in a medium, if you don't want to believe in a medium, you know, maybe somebody took advantage of her good nature or, or her, her, her situation to say, you know, put these thoughts in her head. and Well, and she believed that her daughter's life was taken in conjunction with something that the spirits did, you know, that, you know, you, you took our child, so we're taking your child. There was, you know, there was a lot of that. Uh, yeah, and, and, and definitely the obsession with the fact that these were people who had been killed by the Winchester firearm, I, I mean— Seems like she harbored some guilt over her part of that, which honestly, I mean, she, she just inherited the company. She, she inherited the company. Yeah. She didn't build the gun. She didn't come up with the idea or anything. But, I mean, seriously, that the Winchester repeating rifle is literally the gun they say that tamed the wild west. Yeah. Uh, that, I mean, it was a product ahead of its time. Well, let's kind of jump forward to more present day, just kind of keeping that legacy alive, if you will, in 2017. Uh, there was a comic book adaptation by Dark Horse Comics titled The House of Penance. Uh, the com- comic focuses on the bloodbath of death that Sarah is frantically working to help find peace due to, of course, the Winchester rifle. Can't go without saying in 2018, of course, the Legend and Lore of the Home made its big screen debut in a full-blown movie titled Winchester, The House That Spirits Built. Starring Helen Mirren. Yes, Actually, I, I will say I enjoyed that film. I, I have not seen it. I believe Helen Mirren did actually go to the Winchester house and tour it as part of her preparation for the movie. And and she herself said, you know, like, I, I, I didn't experience anything, but that's not to say there's nothing there to experience. Well, and again, I mean, if you go to a house like this, and again, we've we've hit on this many times, stairways that lead to a ceiling and doors that open to nowhere, doors that open to, I mean, that's weird. It's like a huge carnival house that would mess with anyone i think you would have to say there's something going on here i think i did see somewhere where they compared it to a carnival fun house in, in one of the descriptions so yeah like you said it maybe Something's maybe not normal it, maybe just the house and its layout impresses upon the mind that there's something wrong here well back to the movie the movie actually followed pretty closely the the early origins of sarah winchester and her family uh up to the point where the house is pretty well constructed of course continuing to be remodeled but there was an employee who had suffered a personal loss that comes to the home and his job is to evaluate sarah winchester herself to see if uh, he deems that she is mentally capable of continuing to run her husband's empire uh with all the odd and bizarre construction and the presumed waste of money and i believe it was like um part of her own company if i remember the the movie it's been a few years since i've seen it but it was like the board of directors, you know, kind of thing that that would have the money. And it's like, hey, you need to go check this lady out. And, you know, we're we're going to lose everything because this crazy lady's spending all the money, you know, kind of deal. But um, she was making $28,000 a day. Yeah, yeah. I mean. I mean, and that that was her share. So she could afford to do plenty without the company's money. Yeah. I, I You know, I still feel the movie did an honorable job of keeping the legend alive and sprawling it kind of a new spin to the, you know, the century old tale. 
Well, in closing, you know, what do you think? Uh, would you spend a night alone in the Winchester house? I mean, personally, yeah. I think I would. I don't think it's haunted, so. Yeah. I mean, it, like I said, most of what I found said it wasn't haunted. It's just weird. So, yeah, I mean, I why not? I would like to go see the weirdness, I guess. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. A it, it's term. a place I'd, I'd like to see just to say I saw it, you know. but. If, if you did, which I think we both agree we would like to, do you think you might encounter thousands of lost souls killed by the Winchester rifle there? I wouldn't like to hope that they have better things to do than to hang out, but. It's like, hey, we heard Bill Weir's and Eric Tudor <laughs> are coming from Lebanon, Missouri. We're going to go hang out with if them for a If that's what while. it takes for me to have a, an <laughs> encounter that changes my mind, then hey, I'm on board. Uh, you bet. You know, would you possibly come face to face with Sarah Winchester herself? Because a lot of the tourists today still say that they see uh, an old woman in that wicker kind of wheelchair that we mentioned observing and watching. And what, what do you think she would think of her house being opened up? Well, if anything, I think she would be highly disappointed with the fact that they put a shooting range gun <laughs> game on yeah. the property. She, I don't think she would have been okay with that. I, I, uh, I, yeah, yeah I, I, don't, I don't think that was appropriate at all. Yeah. Well, regardless of what you might think, we uh, had fun putting together this episode, and we hope that you've enjoyed it. It's another story of yet another tale you'll find on Nightmares on the Lost Highway. Thank you so much for listening. We'd like to give a shout out to our first uh, paying sponsor, Raven's Loft. That's our family shop here located in uh, Lebanon, Missouri. It's your one-stop gaming, vintage toy, and collectible shop where you can find Star Wars, Transformers, G.I. Joe, comics, vinyl records, role-play gaming, Magic the Gathering, and so much more. We're located here at 223 West Commercial, downtown Lebanon, and also in our second location, uh, also here in Lebanon, at the Heartland Antique Mall. We'd like to thank Ravensloft for, again, supporting Nightmares on the Lost Highway. I want to take a time to thank the people that helped bring this all together. Uh, Alex Tudor, you can almost call him our producer at this point. Sarah Tudor, who also helps with some of the technical stuff. I want to take a moment to extend thanks to Eric for letting us use his space to record in kind of our makeshift studio. I, in turn, would like to thank Bill for, one, putting up with me and uh, <laughs> using this camaraderie to do something we both very much love and enjoy doing. And thank Bill's family for allowing him to spend all the time to work and clean up our recordings and present them in what uh, you hear in the final uh, terms, uh, the final edition, if you will. Um, and I'd like to thank all of you for continuing to, to listen. I know we've got some loyal followers out there. We do this as a labor of love, but we're, we're happy that there are people that enjoy it as, hopefully as much as we do. Thank you very much.